0: Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd
1: Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are
0: not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations and as always trust your inner criminal
2: Hello. Hey everybody. Yo. You can all hear What's up? me? Hello. I think we're good. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yep. Hey everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the crowd. Episode forty-seven, aka just chilling. Uh. <laughs> so, um, today we are, we don't have a guest, but we are going to be. Just kinda of chilling out and you guys are open to ask us anything. Um anybody anything you ever wanted to ask us as people, uh individuals, etc. Uh opening it up. So should be interesting. I know a lot of you have been waiting to ask us a couple of weird things, so have at it. Um we'll be doing the news as regular and then at ten thirty or eastern we'll be switching over to uh, that mode. So yeah. But until then, um how's everybody doing today?
3: Pretty good man.
4: Hell yeah. <laughs> Did anybody do anything cool this up. weekend? Uh B sides Melbourne Bassod's. <laughs> yeah. Uh the highlight was probably drinking with Alfie.
3: <laughs> no, that was cool, man.
4: Yeah, it was uh I didn't make it to day two because the beer kept flowing until uh <laughs> it didn't and uh Hell yeah.
3: Anybody else do anything interesting? No? I mean, I
1: started, a, I started a new job, I guess. That's
3: interesting. Hell yeah, dude. Mm,
1: Congratulations. Yeah, Thank you, thank you. Oh, we're super stoked for you.
2: I am too, man. Hell yeah. Um, Also the question from the chat, uh, Roper, um, you can send us your questions here in the stream chat or if you're in Discord in Voiceless Voice. Um, But yeah, we'll shelve all of these things, all the questions that are asked. You can ask them still here and I'll just collect them for when we uh, start. So one second here.
3: Alrighty, so yeah. um,
2: Oh, let's get into the uh, the news here. So here's the show notes. I've posted them again. Here's the show notes here. And all right, let's go. Um, so the first story that we have on here is the FBI has arrested the second or a second Apophis quad member. Um, this has come after another or the first person was. Uh, arrested a couple of uh weeks ago or months ago now um in the uk and now as just of how boisterous they were and yeah it happens if you ddos and you brag about it on twitter you're probably gonna go to jail for it
4: yeah it's uh it's not being the best criminal that's for sure like if you you want to be an internet bad man then uh that's, that's not how you do it guys like you might see other people doing it and seeing people getting arrested for it and the reason they get arrested is because they suck
5: yeah that's why so many of those uh booter like booter services and stuff are getting shut down is because they all brag about their shit and they slip up
0: absolutely the,
1: absolutely, absolutely no, no
0: bank would ever go into a bank without a mask and wearing their fucking name badge be like, hi, my name's Brad. I'm here to rob you.
5: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
5: Customer service hole robbing a bank. Let's go.
1: Yeah. You definitely... my... sorry. what were you going to say? My thing with that is like they were um, they were DDoSing Proton. As they were Proton users and they were still like connected from like Proton VPNs and connecting to their email accounts as they were attacking it. Like, I understand (laughs) that Proton encrypts all that stuff and they can't see much, but there's still a little bit of metadata that can be correlated. Oh,
2: absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for everybody who is a future uh, DDoS uh, attacker, uh, don't, because. Yes, don't. And if you are going to ever do any crimes, don't brag about it or taunt the people on Twitter because that is the same thing with everything else on Twitter. Like if you say my site is unhackable on Twitter, people are going yeah. to hack your site. <laughs> if you say you are undoxable, untouchable, everything, you are going to get doxed and touched. It's just the thing. I you mean, brag. take
5: a lesson from like uh, the hacker giraffe. Like he brags yeah. all about his stuff and he got he got hit pretty hard.
2: Yeah, it happens all the time. It's just it's a matter of raising your profile. And if you're trying to do stuff, doing it on the low. I mean, I'm not trying to give criminal advice, but I guess <laughs> the, uh, it just it seems like common sense. I mean, a lot of the people who do this kind of thing are young and they want clout. And that's a way to get it in a way. But ultimately, it's just going end to end in you getting in a lot of trouble and then, immediately. Yeah, and then you'll be grounded. Maybe not immediately, You'll be, you'll be grounded and you'll and you have no Xbox, so. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah. like You're going to see, like, there's a correlation with these people who are running these booter services. Like, no real ob professional is running these services. Like, they're Absolutely. all kids getting into hacking and stuff.
1: Yeah. And, like, another thing with that, too, is, like, everybody's like, oh, they, they hit that kid with three years in jail, blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't just for DDoSing. This dude was making, like, bomb threats and stuff and actually, like, really, like, causing terror. And- yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Like, the bomb threats on the schools and the planes and shit, those are, like, serious things. And people think, like, doing things like swatting and and, and calling in bomb threats and stuff like that are, like, a way to, I don't know. It's not even hacking. It's just literally being a terrorist.
3: That's, yeah.
2: Um. It's just, that's what it is. It's, like, it's it's, it's zero effort. And you know the only effort is 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 uh, disguising your prepubescent voice. Pretty much it. <laughs> Everything else is just literally anything. To do. And it's just being a dick, and it's going to get you arrested because people who are going to be tracking you down are a thousand times smarter than you. So yeah, yeah. just a PSA yeah. of the day here for anybody who is uh, thinking about a life of uh, cybercrime. I think it's important
4: me. to remember as well that like. Not just not really DDoSing as much so, but with uh, the bomb threats and with uh, swatting and stuff, you are hurting people and you can potentially like there's been people who have died from being sw- swatted, like we saw with uh swatistic, like that is mm-hmm. it's legit real life danger. If you put somebody in real life danger, then you're going to be charged just as if you held a knife to them, you know what I mean?
1: As it
3: should, yeah,
4: and
1: yeah, rightfully so.
3: Yeah, I'm just grabbing
0: some questions Take here. Take the 15 bucks that you'd spend on a stressor and go get a pizza. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just go to learn to code.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Udemy well, courses—they're just... cheapest out. <laughs> I and
2: mean, you can um... download
4: the PDFs. So yeah, it's cheaper than a pizza. You can get the pizza to eat while you read the
2: PDF, and you get a little bit. Of... Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, our <laughs> PSA of the day to budding cybercriminals. Um, All right, so the next story that we have on here is um, the Schlayer malware. uh, that disables the Mac OS gatekeeper to run unsigned payloads. So this thing seems to be out in the wild. I'm not an Apple user, so I'm not too familiar with it, but this seemed interesting, though, because I know that um, Apple enforces code signing, but it's also difficult to do that um, at scale, and this goes through um, this. I'm not sure if you guys know about the user exact security auth trampoline uh, trick to escalate privileges, but this was the thing that was used here. I meant to watch this talk, but I did not. So uh, is this just like modifying the settings
0: on Gatekeeper or is this like- It seems to be disabling it.
4: Yeah, it looks like it's, it's totally bypassing it. Um, I'm not so, up on uh, the trampoline either but I think one of the, the primary things is like you can sign apps to run on Mac already from with uh, a developer license you can go get one mm-hmm. and uh, just start signing your own apps but obviously that would give you attribution right so mm-hmm. I guess that's the main thing that it's really getting around here is uh, any attribution of said malware um, which is cool I mean I'm sure you could steal someone else's key or as we've seen uh, with windows device driver signing um there's been uh, attacks that have have um, re- retrieved actual um certificates to sign the drivers or stolen them from from somewhere else as well so I guess, yeah uh, i've
6: heard crazy stories um the Symantec one it's like kept in a vault and the vault is in a in a man trap and man traps got men with guns and everything's time time boxed and you know, full-on security, and yet those certs still got out.
4: Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. At some point, they need to be used in a technical um uh, way, I guess. I don't know. They need to use it, be used in a technical capacity. And um, a dude with a gun, is he gonna like point it at the programmer who works there? Like. I don't Okay, so to answer
1: Lucas Streams' question on why I rented a quantum computer, I didn't rent it. Um, anybody can go and sign up for this. It's uh, cloud.dwavesys.com/leap, uh, and you will get a minute a month of access to a quantum computer. So go do.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh. Um, no, definitely. That that I wanted to touch on that a little bit too. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Nux, while while we're headed on the subject? Yeah, sure.
1: So, um, I mean, it's, it's very, very crazy stuff. So like, uh, it's, it runs off of qubits and it's like conventional computers is like, you know, zero or one on or off, um, a qubit, like it's in superposition. So like it could be on or off at the same time, it's in a vacuum chamber and they use helium to cool it down to like pretty close to absolute zero. And when that happens, that causes quantum mechanics to take effect. So, while if you go to measure it, the mere observation will change the outcome. So, a lot of times within like the communications and stuff like this, you have to like uh, guess its position so it doesn't mess up the uh, actual like computations that you're doing and stuff like that. So, it's uh, one flow of electricity in the qubit is actually flowing. Counterclockwise and clockwise at the exact same time. And it is just one current of electricity. So, like, if you try to do like gaming or anything else on it, it's, it's, you're not going to notice anything being faster. It's literally like for crazy, crazy math computation.
2: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> no, I'm definitely excited to play around with it. It's pretty dope. Um... Have you cracked any hashes with it? I don't. See, you got to realize they're still very,
1: very low level right now. So you can't really do that kind of stuff. I think that you might be able to do stuff like with like MD5 or SHA-1 stuff that's already broken. You might be able to just do that a lot faster.
2: Interesting.
5: How does like the interaction fit work? Like, can you like... Is there like a console where you upload files to, or?
1: Okay, so it gives you an API key, and then you can pip install d-wave-systems, and it's got an entire Python library for it, so there's... there's... Oh, okay. It, hold on one second? The API? Um, yeah, well, I haven't really looked at it too much, but mainly it's that, hold on one second, guys, I'm sorry. Norris, Norris.
2: <laughs> it's puppy time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, so we can go back a little bit too, to the uh, Parallax's question. Um, it was saying, do you think it would be psychologically acceptable for end users to be required to have two local users, one privileged and one not, different names and secrets like enterprise admins do to bypass UAC attacks, like or to mitigate UAC bypass attacks like this? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's a, that's a tough question, um, but definitely having, for any users that have sort of privilege levels, Um, You know, having separate accounts like an admin account, you know, that you can use that has different levels of access is definitely in your best interest. Um, It's just it is difficult to scale that sort of thing as well. So, yeah. And it pisses
4: off um, your users. There's also that uh, solution called Red October, like the movie, where you need um, multi-sig private keys to, to do things you can implement. Not specifically for UAC. And I think most UAC bypasses are probably going to be programmatic anyway. So you might have a separate user, but that's what code is for. Yeah,
5: I said it was kind of like just having wars uh, in general. Uh, it's not going to help as much, I think, because if the wars took get compromised, it's still, still not good news. But yeah. getting all that information interchangeably is still uh, just another hurdle you have to get over.
2: Or you can just run everything as root, like Kali, and have it installed as your main OS, and you don't have to deal with any of that. <laughs> just,
5: uh, Easy security.
4: Am on Windows Ten on the other partition, and don't full disk grip that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hell yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to the next story here. This one is hackers. T- we can get back to the quantum computer stuff um later on in the in the show. Um. But so the, uh, the next story is hackers target Maltese Bank for a 13 million euros cyber heist. Um, so yeah, this is another uh, large um, bank uh, heist, but online, um, similar in a way to the uh, one on the Bangladesh Bank. Um, and the yeah, I mean, basically they're people are studying the, you know, the business logic of. These sort of banks and just attacking them very targeted, very direct, and that's just probably going to keep happening because it's it's something that is not easy, but it's it's a, it's definitely an easier vector than you know rolling up with guns and and masks and yeah absolutely so, and then
4: <laughs> was this um so was this through like their consumer-facing, uh, like consumer or business-facing interfaces, or was this like on the back end?
2: It doesn't see. It doesn't really go into the details, but it says, well, it says it could be a classic business process compromise, but there's not really any details, and I think that they haven't fully released all the details about it yet because it's still like active. They're trying to uh, any of the big transfers that were happening. They're trying to like reverse them, um, but it gets difficult when you have people who. have you know, already have very sophisticated chains of of moving money very quickly out of a of a bank like this. Um, so I don't really know too much more of the details, but I just see this is a thing. Yeah, I think mean, like yeah,
4: business processes are always uh, generally written without the the technical implementations taken into account, I guess, uh, and then the tech has to fall into the business and into what the business says. That's generally like. I've, what i've interacted with in, in the past with uh, large organizations like something has to happen uh, make the computers do it and uh it's not always that you know not always the best way to do it but the business people think it is so you better do it they pay the bills
2: absolutely yeah especially for big big large organizations like a bank you know changing anything involving process takes a lot of uh board meetings and configuration
4: yeah change management change managers i love change managers (laughs) they're my favorite people
2: (laughs) oh yeah um the next one that we have on the list here is the photography site 500 pixels uh resets 14.8 million passwords after data breach um this one is is funny because well not funny it's it's really bad if you use this site because it's anybody who has used it since July 5th of last year um, <laughs> or has used it before then, is has uh, had their stuff compromised. Um, and so the company hasn't said which hashing algorithms were used beyond mentioning that any using the obsolete MD5 function were being reset. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, pretty vague, but there was MD5 involved. And yeah,
3: just and another
4: I think one thing that's, uh, like, a lot of people love Hashcat. I love Hashcat. It does the job very well. But you can Google MD5s from Rainbow yeah, Tables oh, yeah. are obsolete. The awesome. Rainbow
5: Tables are great.
4: Yeah, right. Like you, they're, and they're hosted for you. You don't need
2: them anymore. Google mm-hmm. them and check it out. Crackstation, Hashkiller, all those different big sites already have everything pre-computed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very easy to just... They have APIs. I mean, we have a we have an API for MD5 um, to look up an MD5 hash on our bot, and it's, it's very easy. So anybody who's using MD5 for whatever reason, please, please stop. Uh, yeah. Know, like please, because anybody who ever gets into that, um, anybody who ever gets into your database, will have all of your passwords. It's just so all. Password.
5: It's pretty much plain text at this point.
4: Yeah. So looking for a, a cryptographic function to save passwords with google bcrypt and have a look at the docs for that and uh yeah like a, a ten fifteen 15 pass bcrypt um will, will include the salt as well so that even if you create the the same password twice they're not the same in the database they're much harder to crack and uh it's very easy to if you can implement it md5 you can implement
2: bcrypt go look mm-hmm. at that. absolutely but yeah if you ever use this website though uh go in and change your password. It's-
3: Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, so the next one,
2: I was hoping that not Dan or RQU or Shell would be here, but they are not. The next story here is about Niantic uh, hiring security engineers to combat hackers and data miners. Um, So if you are interested in being a security focused developer and somebody who wants to crack apps and APIs, this is a job um, that you can definitely have. And so Niantic is the people who made uh, Pokemon Go as well as some other uh, ARG games. And they are looking for people to um, reverse their stuff and try to hack it, because apparently that's not what they were doing beforehand, which is why a lot of people were able to do a lot of reverse engineering and hacking the uh, API of Pokemon Go um, a couple of years ago when this first came out um but unfortunately though the people that i know who know more about this than i do are not here (laughs) does anybody here know anything about pokemon go
4: (laughs) yeah pokemon go uh so there was a couple of different bots that were around for it very quickly after it came out um i mean from memory i recall someone saying that it was a protobuf um there was a few different Different ways to hack it so if you created if you ran the bot you generally created a dummy account and it even came up on a google map and it would show you where you've walked the pokemon you've catched all that kind of stuff um until eventually you get banned. um so that, that's pretty much how those bots went and they were up quickly they were maintained there were waves of bans, and then the bots would be getting around them um Another way I think things that less sophisticated people were doing was were running Android emulators and just using the spoof location uh, feature in like um, I don't know uh, BlueStacks or whatever, um, installing you know on the rooted devices just installing GPS locators. Uh, I did a little bit of stuff with uh, GPS SDR to like move myself around to mm, yeah. places where I could get better Pokemon um and then it got really boring really quickly but um (laughs) yeah there's um what was that other game ingress that a lot of people used to play as well they also make ingress
2: yes they do and a lord parody here in the chat says that many pokemon bots were spinoffs from the ingress bots because it has the same api with some minor changes there you go i guess that's why it was so quick um
4: yeah, I mean, once it, once a bunch of the work is done, then you identify that's the same protocol.
2: Yeah, um, it's definitely interesting though, because I mean, I, I feel like with the size and the scale, the Pokemon Go um, experience, like or what that they had to experience for, you know, the amount of people who actually would want to play it, especially that first couple weeks that it was out. Um, there's definitely. I feel like it was way more than they probably expected, especially all oh. random people just coming out and, and hitting every, hitting it with everything they got to play with it. Yeah.
4: There was actually one other interesting bug that I did see in this uh, that was reported a while back and, and fixed was that uh, your item um, amounts were were client-side, so people were blocking <laughs> addresses, and so uh, somebody... But I'll leave re- remain unnamed But shout out if you're listening, you know who uh, <laughs> dropped um, uh, like a million or something um, lures. Oh, no, sorry, they dropped a whole bunch of lures in a capital city of Australia, and uh, you know millions of Pokemon just came up everywhere. Oh
3: my god! So
4: <laughs> that, that's that's pretty funny stuff. So I mean, when, when, it, when the protocol hacking is one thing, the GPS hacking was a whole nother thing, and then like reversing the actual uh figuring out that you know your item your inventory numbers were also uh stored your client side and allowed to make the request to the server absolutely hilarious
5: i just find it mind-blowing that so many companies still don't know to never trust the client like it's (laughs) boggling
4: the client server model is not very hard it's not not very difficult the (laughs) server is yours and the the client is not yeah. Right. We not,
2: we not a, that's the. That's end. a good summary. The end of it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see though, like that kind of thing. Like the reason why we're like trying to rush out stuff and and add new features is definitely a scaling issue of, of passing data back and forth and managing all the tokens and and everything you need to implement full server side everything. So, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, a lot of lessons learned from that um, for anybody who is a budding ARG app developer. Um, But yeah, if you are interested though, definitely check them out. Yeah,
4: I think if you are gonna be writing writing something that is uh, a lot of features client side, try and keep them to to UI, like as much UI stuff as possible, like the Mm -hmm. thinnest client you can, um, so that the user has, you know, the feedback that maybe they can't do something, but the actual logic that does important things remains on the server
0: kind of bugs me how this game is like so used by kids like a lot but then put any effort into like protecting them like mm-hmm. the potential for like a pedophile to abuse this is like pretty rare.
5: yeah there's like some location disclosure stuff like i think it was with fitbit or something some like smartwatch company got hit really hard with their uh data protection stuff that was going on and pokemon go still sucks at that same thing
4: i'm pretty sure we, <laughs> yeah. we covered a story you, you'll remember this but there was a story where people were uh not watching where they were going in pokemon go and they're looking at their screen and they're walking down like dark alleys and getting robbed and people like knew that good
2: pokemon would kind a of deal yeah Jeez. absolutely that's um that's a huge thing <laughs> being able to technologically bait people um uh, oh there's a gengar over here <laughs>
4: <laughs> Come on down, and we won't take your wallet and your phone. And, your phone.
2: and they know yeah, because they know you have a phone too. Right? Yeah.
4: So let's see how many yeah, people yeah. walk down this alley today.
3: <laughs> Never a good idea.
2: Um, yeah. Um, the next story that we have on here uh, is a pretty interesting revelation here. Um, so apparently Twitter does not delete your DMs like. At all. Um, <laughs> apparently, everything is just retained for a very long time, um, including messages that you and others have deleted and also data sent to and from accounts that have been deactivated or suspended. And actually, oh, this is, <laughs> I didn't even realize this is the uh, Quran. Um, shout outs to Quran for finding this here. So, there's a, uh, he was able to find years old messages in a file from uh, an archive of his data. Um, and yeah this is definitely interesting though because there's people use twitter all the time dms group messages for all sorts of shady stuff and even if you send something and delete it thinking you're being sneaky uh it's still there <laughs> be um so yeah i don't know if anybody um, i think it's very
4: important it. to remember that any social <laughs> media platform is a social media platform, and like i I can say for myself, I like I like Twitter because when I tweet, it's going to everyone. I know that's that's the plan, right? In my brain, the plan is I'm I'm broadcasting this, you know. So, I guess yeah. it's the same Anything... with DMs, like yeah, the whole platform. Just imagine the whole platform you're broadcasting to the world. If you really want to, you know, uh, with the CLSSPs, people were tweeting their docs. Uh, that's funny. If you deleted the DM, I guess they're still going to be in in the thug Crowd
2: data dump. Hello. Please don't. Please don't. Hold it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Absolutely, do not do that <laughs> again. I will reiterate it. I will reiterate this again because this is keeps happening. The CLSSP is only available to people who have been guests on the show, contributors to our podcast, or ten dollar or more Patreons on our patrons on Patreon. You cannot get it by just sending us your address in the first message because I
5: will.
2: not I'm not even going to open it. I'm.
3: Gosh, I can't believe people are actually All doing right. that. Oh my god. Right. I Maybe didn't know that was an issue. Yeah,
5: like, like people need to uh I'll throw on you. Uh, people need to realize that once you post something to the internet, doesn't matter if it's DM or what, always go with the assumption that it is permanently there, oh. even if there is a deletion option. Yeah, definitely.
2: Hello. So, um, hey. sorry, I I had to to my microphone got messed up i'm still saying after many many warnings people are still sending us their addresses their full addresses don't do that please stop doing it I'm telling you again don't
5: or at least start sending your social security number and credit card number with it
2: yeah and so do <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um, again, again because we've had a lot of people there's been a lot of uh of uh a lot of our our CLSSPs have gone out and people have been tweeting about them and then people say, can I get one? And people say, talk to thug crowd. And then when that happens, uh, yeah, there goes either people just asking or people sending their full docs. Yeah. yeah, um, And
4: definitely as well, like this, I can't confirm exactly this case with Twitter uh, in the case of Discord, but it, it's very verbose, the logging from, Discord's, uh, from oh, Discord yeah. as well. And so even though you're logged in and you're having a DM with someone, again, just apply this to everything you do, Discord, Facebook, whatever.
5: Yeah, I believe Discord's actually being pretty heavily um, looked into right now by some investigation services just because of the amount of stuff that's going on, the, serv- uh, or on the, uh, the platform in general, just like the info security and actual bad malicious actors uh, making servers. So their logging spin been definitely getting up the ante right now.
4: Yeah, Yeah. just uh, request your own data and look at it, and then we don't need to tell you about it. You'll see.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: (laughs) You'll
2: see the you up. It's 3 (laughs) a.m. DMs. Um, (laughs) Speaking, though, of uh, data privacy and retention, um, thousands of Android apps are permanently recording your online activity for ad targeting. This is not a new thing, but this is just worth reiterating here. Um, People... You know, reporting on this, there are tons of apps that violate Google's policies on user tracking and advert monetization because their policies and guidelines that people who are unscrupulous are not going to follow. The same with uh, telemarketers and the Do Not Call list. It's all just, you know, a, a ruse. Realistically, if you if you want to call people and spam them every day, you can. There's nothing really stopping you. Um, and so with this, there are applications are. There's tons of applications that do this, where they have tons of ad networks, people pouring in scripts onto your phone, and they use those things for ad personalization and targeting, and they build literal like permanent records and profiles of you that are traded among data brokers all over the place. And they are able to target you, not as a name per se, but as an individual and a data point, but they can act and, you know, get more data if they trade the data they've already collected on. Um, this is definitely a huge thing to look out for. Um, and, you know, ask yourself when you want to download some Snapchat dog filter add-on um, from some sketchy, you know, third party, there's people that are just using all the data that you use from this to build a profile.
3: That was quite a yeah. rant.
4: Uh, I think with, <laughs> with this is as- It's pretty obvious that, um, if you, if you, like, we've seen worse apps like this on the store, but it's, I guess it's the unassuming ones. And I think like my policy, when it comes to apps on any device, like whether it be, you know, installing shit from the internet, installing games, installing whatever, um, if you don't need it, don't install. Like that's a pretty pretty good rule of thumb. Like just, you know, all right. So you want to have Twitter on your phone and you want to have like, couple of other things you want to maybe you know whatever you commonly use don't just like browse the app store on your main device that has your you know that you use every day and install like 500 apps and be like let's see what this one does
5: yeah it's literally adding an entire new attack surface from that app
4: yeah just every time you add an app just like increases it's a multiplier
5: something i actually did to some of my buddies recently was that I showed them CVEs for like common games like Minecraft and stuff and they were like, "Whoa. What the fuck? This is actually a thing? You can get hacked from Minecraft? What?" Like people <laughs> don't understand like those privilege escalation attacks and stuff like that.
4: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um uh it's no different with Android Is like, you know, between desktop or or any mobile device, it's it's a computer. It runs the mm-hmm. code.
0: Keep in mind, your devices can get fingerprinted, too. So, like, if you're making, like, burner accounts for shit, like Grinder, or whatever the fuck you're using, like, you're still going to get tracked to your device. So maybe don't use your main for whatever shit you want to use.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, if you can afford it, definitely. I have multiple burner phones that I use to install the sketchy apps that I want to check out. Um, Definitely suggest that. Have a burner email on it and just play around actually did a stream of that with Hermit a while ago of just downloading every crappy app until the emulator. is good stuff. You'll see how quickly, though. You only need a few, and it, you all of a sudden have lock screen ads and shit like that. So. GX, yeah. Yeah.
4: And the other thing is you're talking about, like, apps in the, you know, top 100 apps. We're not talking about the shadiest shit you can find on, on the App Store. Like, in the, on the Play Store, there are bad stuff that just will end up in the top 100 because... If you think about it from the perspective of uh, a marketeer whose, whose job it is to market the apps, or also known as a spammer, um, their job is to get that thing to five stars with as many downloads as possible, and you know that's what they do. They'll get said app that, you know, the best flashlight app or whatever, um, it's, they just push it to the top of the store for flashlights, and away you go. Yeah,
2: wasn't that uh, flashlight app a few years ago, like the a huge botnet? huge botnet yeah i there was a,
6: believe so there's another there's another flash app that um for ios and if you wanted to do um what is it data tethering you would install that and there was a secret option to to install data tethering when i think it was at&t didn't let you do that
4: oh subversion subversion of- yeah
2: oh no, no no this was this was the flash app is a banking trojan something popular ones on there so yeah it's definitely the (laughs) speaking of banking trojans, when we're talking about the downloading every app hermit found the best app that i've ever seen it was called all banks login and it was like it was just every bank possible listed on this really awful like python web views sort of thing um that was just like every bank's login page and you just scroll through all the banks to find yours Ooh. and then it brings you to the login page of your bank uh yeah. real good scheme there's a lot of, actually... dollars, hundreds of thousands.
4: so in australia there's actually this um service that's um i won't name because it's actually pretty large but you can find it if you google for three seconds and the way that it works is it, it basically uh gets you to log into your bank account in its like iframe and then you make a transaction and it will confirm that you made that transaction. It's literally like malware spyware, like watching you enter your password, like your bank details. And then Mm -hmm. it will, and and that's a legitimate service that's owned by a large company and it's PCI compliant lol and all kinds (laughs) of other stuff. Jeez, Um, That's one I tend to avoid. (laughs)
2: Yeah, a lot of good stuff on the App Store. Um, Speaking of the App Store again, uh, Android here. Tor traffic from individual Android apps is being detected with 97% accuracy. This is pretty interesting. There's basically um, people have just found a way to um, not reveal your IP address or any identifying information, but it will reveal if you are using an Android app. And there's basically like you know fingerprinting of the types of traffic um, being routed over Tor. So if you're using like uh, the Tor browser for Android or any of the other Tor, or bot, I think is the other one, um, any of those, the the actual traffic patterns that you have um, are becoming easy to detect. Um, so if you think you're being sneaky with that <laughs> on Tor, uh, you might not be, especially if you're using like Facebook Messenger. Or Discord,
3: interesting yeah, stuff. Think,
4: like Tor is one of those things where it it can be used in in a safe way by the NSA and like X amount of of the onions anyway. Uh, so attribution can be difficult unless you know that they, they're actually hunting you. I guess I suppose is the way to put it. I mean, it's not that silver bullet that a lot of people are out there claiming it is. Like, oh yeah, for sure. It's It's it's, You can
1: do it. It's very, very difficult, but it it mainly relies on, like, metadata, like, and correlation of shit. Like, when, like, for example, APT29, when they did that phishing attack in uh, November, they used the same virtual machine from two years previous to, like, make the new malware for that campaign. So, like, there is ways to successfully attribute stuff, but it's not always easy. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. So uh, for anyone who installs Kali Linux on their machines, this is uh, one of those wake-ups, do it in a VM and don't use the same VM.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely, anybody using Tor, though, it's it's always a a risk. I definitely avoid it as much as I can unless I'm trying to uh, go check out my uh...
4: You know, we did actually <laughs> have someone who popped into the community briefly who was a
2: sole Tor user. They didn't apparently Oh yes, yes. That was that was real sketchy. That was really that, sketchy. Yes. If you only use Tor, there's something wrong with you. I that's yeah. not that's they, not okay. it's like they called us weird. They're like you got like everyone in
4: here is so weird, they only use the Clearnet, and we're like, Oh uh, no, you're the weird one. You just hang yeah. out with Tor all day. That's freaking <laughs> sketchy as hell.
6: It's
5: really
4: weird. I mean,
6: I once had a user who complained that the service wasn't working. And no matter what I tried, I just couldn't work out what was going on. And, and then eventually I said, what browser are you using? And he said, I'm using a modified Dolphin browser from a long, long time ago that I compile myself. And I said, why are you doing that? And, and he said, privacy. I don't, want anyone, I don't trust any new browsers. I just use my browser. And then I had a look at his, uh, his user agent. It had his full name in it.
3: Oh, yeah.
4: yeah. you are the privacy advocate my friend
0: <laughs> um, on that note if you're a malware author don't compile your malware on your main because oh, you will yeah. also get
3: that shit in your fucking
2: meta <laughs> absolutely we've proven that many times with uh, dumping and using just run Robin, too. You just literally just like you don't anything, strings, easy, yeah. easy to pull that shit out. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of stuff
4: the, like that. Just on the topic of metadata, actually, there's a, an ISP in Australia who have a uh, fair go policy, which probably sounds pretty weird if you're from overseas, but a fair go policy um is pretty common in Australia and it, it's just like a strange colloquialism. But the, the website was like telcocom fairgo or whatever. And when you click the link, it would download a doc file, like just straight up .doc gets downloaded to your desktop. And uh, looking in the metadata, it, like somebody had said, like, who writes this shit? And it literally had the person's, like, full name, the fact they were running <laughs> Windows XP, like uh, when they wrote it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So It's not just for malware authors, it's for everyone.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. Um... There's <clears> been <throat>
6: some propaganda cases where, um. You know you download the docs and it's supposedly been from some u.s agency but then you know the russian
3: author from moscow is in there so opsec people
2: though. yeah yeah hell yeah um so speaking of opsec google earth accidentally reveals secret military sites uh, <laughs> yeah this has happened a few times Um, so Taiwan um, is some of their sensitive military sites have been revealed publicly through um, Google Earth and so that's one of the big challenges of Google Earth is being able to you know hide and obscure everything that is you know normally most people don't have a satellite to fly overhead and they need some sort of um, you know military equipment and they have to hide a lot of these missile sites all over the world. There's a lot of really interesting um, videos and, and presentations about this specifically, but it all it takes is one update where somebody forgot to scrub data from one of them, and this kind of thing happens where it just shows the exact layout of your missile stuff. You know, if you blurt out a whole town or a whole like region, you know, it tells you the exact location of it. You know what the capabilities are, and there's a lot of information that you can glean from that. Like, it's just, people have a really expensive military, yeah, missions to uh scope out this kind of thing, and it's it sucks. Um, has you compromised an entire country doing something like this? I mean,
4: uh, during World War Two, with the um the Allied forces taking out the the dams with the bouncing bomb. Um, you know, one of the things they were using was uh flyovers with um stereoscopic, like the red blue shift. I think I think they're the red blue shift type, or multiple mm-hmm. photos, so they could uh, estimate the height of the dam and and some other things like that. Um if that was these days, they have like Google hit up hit up Germany on Google Maps and like let's see where they are, like you know. <laughs> um and that's not even that's not even like spy satellite capability. That's just like what normal people have on the internet now.
3: Yeah.
5: It's so weird to think about, it,
4: actually. Yeah, like something that changed the course of a war, or like you know, made it made a specific a specific impact, um, isn't isn't very special anymore, and that's uh, that's really weird, right?
5: Yeah, it's like incredibly average now. Like everyone's just like, all right, let's up on like Google Earth, and we'll see what's going on. Play around with that weird yeah. jet thing that they have
4: i think with um like area 51 you know and uh some places you know certain bases in australia as well i uh, just like you know white. but um yeah the thing is i guess that they're the ones that google are told to block or for whatever or no to block I, I don't know how that relationship works but with a foreign country like taiwan like are they hitting up google being like hey here's the location of our bases google owned by america like i don't know it seems no, seem no. like very interesting uh, problem.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah absolutely. Um, so next, uh, last news item that we have on here, um, it's definitely an interesting thing that I want to read about a bit more and how it's implemented, is uh, Google is creating a new browser API that will um, try to block DOM injection um, XSS um, through a plugin that basically is trying to lock down and monitor uh, injection points in websites code that are often the cause of, of uh, XSS. And so I'm assuming that this is um, probably looking at like input fields and anywhere else mm-hmm. where input is coming from and just monitoring that for any differences in rendering after it's been rendered first time. Um, nice. which, it's complicated because there's a lot of different ways to render stuff and a lot of uh, complex um like mechanisms that happen server side and client side um that make up the whole web so i'm interested to see how this actually gets implemented
4: you know i i feel like this is if uh to to dumb it down maybe like um the the waf for the client um as opposed for you know the waf to the server but I, we see waf bypasses all the time and mm-hmm. we see uh, web developers coming up with new and interesting, terrible ways to inject shit into the DOM. So I I can't really see this um, being like, again, a silver bullet or anything. Maybe it'll stop it a little bit. Like there's already XSS protection on most browsers as it is uh, for reflected XSS, access- <laughs> but, you know, DOM, the DOM-based stuff, like if you've got uh, something like Handlebars or Mustache or um, one of those uh, UI libraries that's gonna, you know, they're, they're very dynamic and they're not all gonna be supported. Some will stop working, some will work worse. Like I don't, see, I, I'll be interested to see how this is actually going to um, not break a whole bunch of websites and still work effectively.
3: Yeah, they've been trying for years uh, to just try and detect these sort of things. In. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds very
5: basic. Basic things. I don't think it's going to be anything hugely game changing here.
2: So yeah. if we recall, well, it claims um, to obliterate DOM XSS. So
4: we'll see. Hmm. But if if we recall, um, B-Sides Manchester had a talk on uh, the JavaScript sandbox uh, escapes in in Angular. And uh, the final result of that, that Angular came to um, was just removing the sandbox altogether and, and removing that feature set. It just went, it left, um, because it was impossible to stop the attacks. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not going to see JavaScript go away. That's, that's for sure.
5: Yeah, because it's, it's so hard to detect what's legit and what's not. But we'll, we'll see what happens.
4: Yeah, I, I guess, like, um, yeah, I guess CSP and X-Frame options and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, there's a whole bunch of headers that are, are supposed to be respected and whatever, I guess, make it a bit harder,
3: but yeah.
2: Beautiful stuff. Um, so yeah, we had a couple good. of, uh, a lot of good reads this week. Um, some, I want to get more into the, uh, Spectre one it seemed really awesome. Um, but the big one that we were going to talk about too, uh, which we included in here was the collection of, uh, docker run C, uh, pox that have been put out. There's been a lot and a race to sort of weaponize the, uh, script. Has anybody played with any of them?
4: Uh, played with, yeah. Just, uh, worked as expected. <laughs> the Python one.
5: Python one's really cool.
2: Yeah, yeah I did not actually run that one yet.
5: It's super easy. It's like kind of run it, you win, sort of thing.
4: Yeah. Which I think, um, I, I guess that's again a testament for the level of uh, technical capability it would take to actually pull off an attack. Um, answer not very high.
3: Yeah, pretty much so.
4: Um, yeah. I think we did, did we miss something on the news? Were we going to talk about the Australian?
2: Stuff. Oh, we did. Yes. Oh, absolutely, completely forgot about that. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that back up. <laughs> um, yeah, I should I made it blue on blue. Uh kind of regret that. Uh major parties <laughs> were hit with four um by foreign government hackers in an attack on Australian problem and servers. This was really interesting. Um, but Australians in the chat right now. Uh, what's up with this? <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm calling bullshit first of all, I'm calling bullshit on
4: more than one thing on this case. Um, first of all, why did they attack the parliamentary system specifically? And second of all, the guy who has claimed attribution on Twitter, which is uh, his uh, handle is at the zero contact, uh, has, has a signed stat deck, uh, like statutory declar- declaration signed by a JP, like justice of the peace. That says he's taking full responsibility for this. Um, now the methods that he used in this quote sophisticated attack were spear phishing from proton mail, um, to certain people within like known people as well, like people whose names you can google. Um, and it's that it's very not very exciting at all. There's no in this document it, it, that this guy's put together with screenshots, it doesn't look sophisticated at all not like it's not a foreign government um it's a guy from apparently a guy from queensland and from what i can tell he might smoke meth um <laughs> that's, that's total speculation but this seems like really crazy um you know i'm not, like i don't know if you but, you know i've got no evidence to say he smokes meth but uh you know just reading through the, the article i was like what like why would mm-hmm. you do this and then claim that you did this um Why would the government come out and say it's a you know they're going after the crown jewels inside the parliamentary system? Um, I don't think they keep the actual crown jewels inside of Parliament House for for crypto and other things like that. That sounds pretty silly.
6: I can tell you why they've they've come out and said that. Um, If you have a look at the reports, they they're linking it already to the election, even though it's got nothing to do with it. They're saying that you know don't worry, don't worry, everyone, our election. Software is safe it's like who who the hell mentioned that? Nobody right they're, yeah. they're try- this is just another another thing that they're trying out to get the votes, and yeah, it could be a propaganda piece
4: yeah' I'm, I'm extremely skeptical well, it's this, saying a sophisticated attacker and I think in at this point um, through news articles is some sort of is definitely fear-mongering. because if you're talking about a, a true sophisticated attacker. You're likely talking about a another nation. They are they are saying you know there's Chinese flags everywhere. You know, as as possible sources. But um, if there was anything that could tie it to China, um, I don't think they'd be so quick to to let that out of the bag. And it just seems to be that all the all the information here is coming from either the media the media or this guy's like Twitter and website. So it's yeah. a very very sketchy sort of scenario
6: and don't don't forget the australian it uh, the australian government can't do anything right in it so who knows they could have left everything open um look at what happened to in 2016 with the census you know there was right. they we were allowed to do census online in 2016 you know 30 people hit it or whatever and all of a sudden they thought it was a dos attack so they disabled it for a couple of days um, we, we can't do anything right here unfortunately yeah. <laughs>
4: I think the, uh, the agency is involved, um, with our like offensive and defensive, you know, sub stuff. I think they've got very skilled people and they do what they do. So for this, for a real sophisticated attack to target those people, I doubt that, you know, we're going to hear about it. At all. Just very, very sketchy the way that this is all. Come out on like you know. I first heard about it on like mainstream TV with the the prime minister talking about it. That's, that's
2: yeah. No, it's definitely like for this kind of thing. Like, there's there's been so many like just sketchy activities and and responses to to things in really quick attribution. Um, it's it's really it's it gets very murky very quickly. Not really, yeah, yeah. easy to, who to trust. <laughs>
4: I think yeah. if there's some documents that come out with uh, that are a verified third-party investigation with technical details and and some sort of actual data, other than like you know um, ABC dot net. <laughs> come on, man! I want to see some. Yeah. I want to see some hard evidence that t- that shows me what happened, not some guy yeah. like you, fishing from Proton.
6: You, you'll get nothing. Um, I tried doing a. Freedom of Information for the twenty-six sixteen census. Um, and I went back and forth a million times and I, I couldn't even get a single image of of their knock monitoring. They wouldn't let anything through. Um, yeah. So we're probably not going to see anything.
4: There we go. So uh, if this is going to change your, if you thought this was going to change your vote during the next election, uh, maybe uh, vote for the people who aren't lying. I don't know. That's pretty hard.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so that's the news um, this week. <laughs> that was it. I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, i um, <laughs> trying to figure some things out. Give me one second.
4: Yeah, I guess, uh, I didn't read the whole article, but you guys saw that um, you know, Spectre is here to stay. That Spectre and Meltdown won't be going anywhere thanks to uh, the the sheer nature of the architecture. and Yeah. Be-
5: That's what a lot of people were saying when it initially hit, too. It's like, yeah, there's not much they can do. They're like, no, 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 we swear, there's something we can do. They're like, hey, just kidding. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I thought you know I was expecting to see fixes in like next gen CPUs. Obviously, not like nothing backported because that's yeah, obviously ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> but you know, um, but to say that it's just going to be yeah, until we change architecture, have fun everyone. Um, yeah, and over the time as well, I guess the impact is going to raise as as faster methods of uh, exfiltration and and whatnot appear. That's, you know, a good side yeah. show to watch.
5: I think right now it's still like such shit on the back burner for them. That they're like, hey, we'll deal with it later. Like, it's not a huge problem yet, but as the like exploit is more and more reliable, then they're like, oh, oh shit.
4: Yeah, especially once you, when you talk like, uh, like Intel Ethernet adapters and, and iGPUs and other things that are, uh, happening in a CPU as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with if you have like a NUC, right, everything is on board. So,
3: easy yeah, peasy.
4: Yeah, and I think that's more of the problem. Whereas if you have you know um, a separate, you know, separate everything, it's a little bit different. But not really. it's it's if so, I guess with the the marble firmware stuff we saw, um, with uh, was it XThread I think was the name of the firmware. Like if you tied that up with something where there's like no user interaction in order to get to said location and it's at a hardware level all the way, like that would be very interesting. I think.
3: Yeah, for sure.
2: Yo, DNC, say something. I just turn up your volume and everyone's saying that you're too low. Uh, I'm too low. Oh, yo, 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 yo. My check. Holla, holla, holla.
4: Yeah,
3: I'm
2: 200%. Yeah. No, I got you. I, I put you up a little bit. So you're, you should be good now. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. So, um, all right. Let's get into this sort of ask anything. We have kind of a, more people are other things right now so we're kind of just here uh, so if you have any questions or people that aren't here we can totally ask them for them later if you need to and uh, follow up after um, so yeah yeah Um beautiful stuff so I'm hoping Broke sheet comes on because he just popped into the chat and said buy dog coin uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I'm really hoping he comes on because he's awesome and he's actually probably people have been wanting to talk to him for a while because he's a uh, he's the person who produced our our theme songs, our multiple theme songs, and uh, has generally helped guide a lot of the music that we play um, at the beginning of the stream. So, shout out to Brooksheek, wherever you are. Oh, there he oh, is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> What up, um, so, uh, I guess we can just start getting into some of the questions that are in here. Um, oh, Brooksheek City is making beats and listening. So, shout out to you. Um, so, um, I guess let's go from the uh, first question that was asked on the stream, which is, what led to the Thug Crowd Pornhub being created? So uh, the Thug Crowd Pornhub came out of the fact that we got banned from YouTube. Um, like, maybe a month into having a YouTube or a couple months into having a YouTube, um, we would stream on there. We had a bunch of uh, followers, and you know, it was a pretty, pretty good way to diversify the streams. Um, and yeah, we just got we got reported for violating community guidelines and for like uh, promoting like I don't know fraudulent fraud or something like that. It was like something super vague. So oh we, yeah, fuck so you too. We promoting crimes. And so then we were trying to uh, <laughs> we were trying to fucking um, like figure out what the best way we could do stuff was. So we, we were actually streaming on vapors.tv as well as twitch and we got banned from there. And so we're now just on Twitch and Twitter, and hopefully it would stay, but we did float the idea of streaming on a cam website that probably would have a user base that wouldn't really like us, but at the very least we'd have some way to stream. Get some Shatterbait. Um, just, just, just it happen anywhere else. Yeah, so we're we're going to do that. It costs money to do that, though, for the ones that you get tokens on and stuff. So it seemed like it was just a little too much extra to uh-huh. have to configure at the stage we were at as a podcast. Um, so, but yeah, so we made up a, a Pornhub and we have it for the name. We also have a, an archive of a stream up there. Um, if you guys want to check it out, it's uh, Pornhub.com forward slash Thug Crowd or, or just, I mean, I would say search Thug Crowd on, on Twitter, I mean, on Pornhub, but I, I don't I don't want to know what the results are. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Is there um, hacker porn on the Pornhub? There, okay, so I've seen some really cool or really funny stuff on there. One of them was a guy doing an XSS on Google Earth. I explain <laughs> nothing, but it was just on Pornhub. It was a really long, long video too, so can watch that there's also one of them of uh, people in anonymous masks so yeah it's interesting stuff what is (laughs) yeah i mean i definitely um if you're into that kind of thing and and don't mind wading through a bunch of weird sketchy like downloads that are just and and random like about blank pop-ups that are just popping up (laughs) all over your uh and go for it have fun on have fun on there um, well, uh, very
4: yeah, I mean, on the topic of hacker porn, let's not forget, uh, I think it was Defcon 17, Haxa, No Longer Floppy, was released. Oh um, my god. <laughs> and it was definitely, like, you can you can learn how to use Nmap uh, in that, you can learn uh, what a buffer overflow is, uh, you can also some, see some very degrade porn. Um, <laughs> I would recommend anyone to go not watch that. Um, but it is available it is somebody tried and i I commend their effort but that's that's the only thing i commend
2: yeah but i do i will say though that i i do find it really cool that people have tried to move to pornhub for places where it is their their speech their freedom of speech is not protected um because pornhub really doesn't delete much unless it's very violent or something that you know harms people that shouldn't be
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah they definitely uh they took down the deepfakes because they were considered non-consensual so they do they do moderate their content in the way their content needs to be moderated i guess is the way
5: for what the yeah, site yeah. is meant for it's moderated correctly <laughs>
2: um yeah i definitely um i think that the what's it called I, th- I think it's cool because I remember seeing that there was like uh, some some of the ghost gun people were were on there making videos and stuff, and just like it's interesting to see like the people who do move to it where it's it is a stable streaming service so you can have like super HD video on there that's really long so um, definitely interesting alternative.
3: Um, yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I mean, okay, without so, streaming.
4: Sorry, I was just gonna say without streaming platforms as well. Like, remember Thug Crowd started as
2: a joke. Absolutely, I mean, actually, uh, next month have our one year anniversary coming up, so we'll get into more of the origin story, um, then. But a lot of the stuff here has just been real cheeky shit that just got out of control. Read the CLSSP, uh, movies, John McAfee, etc. All right, let's go on to the next uh question here. It's kind of a long one, and it's um, oh, it's, it's something that a lot of people <laughs> will, will be able to to weigh in on here. Um, it's really cool. So, um. All right, so this is from Roper. All right, so my question is, or er, my question might be a bit of an odd one. So this is I'm rather new to the scene, although I'm in school for general comp sci. I'm interested in getting into pen testing and digital forensics, but I'm not sure of the best way to go about it. Do you have resources you particularly like, such as people to follow, books to read, websites to go on, software to tool around with? And lastly, what is the best way to get your hands on the practice without getting a knock on the door from the FBI? So this is something pen- that people ask us a lot, and I wanted to open it up to you guys to kind of answer something. Uh oh, I
4: can
3: test Lab. The mm-hmm.
4: hmm? Uh I was just gonna say Pentester Lab. Uh so pentesterlab.com Go there, they have free stuff. There is also a subscription and we have some subscriptions to give away in the future. Um, we don't have any reason to give, we don't have any, any challenges or anything to give away right now, but uh, we do have some Panthesa Lab uh, promo codes that will be going out at, uh, sometime in the future.
5: Oh, is Your mic is doing a big buzz.
0: Um, if you're interested in getting into forensics, there's not too many like hack the boxes for forensics, but, Keep in mind, like places like hack the boxes are literally places where people are just gonna like start hacking shit. So, if you wanted to get into forensics, it's probably not a bad idea to go and fuck around those boxes, like see what you can find out. Um, but also, build your own labs. Um, like, people, like what can I pen test? What can I do myself? Like, if you want to do some, like simple challenges, like build your own stuff and then examine it. Um, as far as books, The Art of Memory Forensics is really good. Um, anything platform specific you'd want to get into like the specific architecture so like Windows read like Windows internals part 1 and 2 from uh, Microsoft Press
7: I think a a good rule of thumb for this stuff is anything you want to learn even at like a super basic level or a more advanced level you can do it for free or for very cheap Mm. like for really getting started there's over the wire war games hack the box hack this site Micro corruption, like Volnhub, RootMe, there's a ton of different sites, all with a bunch of free resources for this stuff.
4: Exploit Exercises as well, Shout out to Agus.
0: And I think ThugCrowd has a library, do we Uh,
4: I don't think it's actually a ThugCrowd library, but there is, um, a library that we have... offer. You
5: know, there's a ghost bin that has a ton of resources, I'm pretty sure there's like, all pirated, but, I mean, they're there nonetheless. <laughs>
2: The <laughs> crowd doesn't have a library. We have an aggregation of links to well known things. Um, so yeah, but I wouldn't, you don't necessarily have to pirate anything. I would say that there there are lots of awesome link aggregations that people do. There's like, if you look up on GitHub, any like awesome pen testing or awesome friends people kind of tagging with with the awesome name I've seen. Um, there's a bunch of different resource dumps of just tutorials. Um, there's one of them that I had, I saw that was for every programming language. They had re- like a ton of resources on every single one of them, which is amazing. Um, yeah, another so, thing yeah, that there's, I... there's... Sorry, continue. Oh, I was just saying there's just tons of stuff like that and it, it, it seems overwhelming at first, but it's kind of like you just got to pick a spot and then just jump in when you can.
4: Yeah, so one of the things that um, I also do as well um, that may not make a lot of sense to you at first, but you will start to um, get the gist, is follow like subscribe to mailing lists. Like now that I'm a really old man, I'm gonna tell you like you have to subscribe to mailing lists. <laughs> but if if you subscribe to uh, OSS Security, full disclosure, um, and, and a bunch of those other lists that are just listed on seclists.org um and, and send them to an inbox uh like to, to like a tag or, or to folder in your inbox or something and just scroll through it like turn off notifications because you get spam to the hell, and read the the things that you think are inter- interesting and you'll see people talking about different kinds of bugs and that will just you know keep you thinking about things when you come across other stuff um you'll be like oh that's right i saw somebody exploited this how did that work does that is that applicable here and um, the more sort of stuff that you hoover up into your brain, you'll start then applying that to you know other, other things.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And off of that, I'm just like, just start getting involved. Like start projects, even if you think they're gonna be a bit too much, just start throwing yourself at things. Um, honestly, that's the best way to learn. Just like start over the wire uh, Bandit, if you're new to all of this, start Linux stuff, um, start doing hack the box stuff. I'll uh, just look at YouTube. YouTube's a great resource just for finding out how to figure out tools and stuff. Install Kali
6: Linux. Um, there, there's just there's tons of stuff out there. You just have to be able to find it. And, you know... Say, sorry, just quickly, I was just going to say, pick up a, an admin book on Linux or Windows or whatever platform you're using and just actually learn what's you know what it's all about because there's no point jumping the gun trying to hack, hack the Gibson when you don't even know what LS means. And I know a lot of, yeah, a a lot of computer science subjects only teach the computer science part of it, but they don't teach, you know, the admin, the sysadmin side. Um, So, yeah.
7: Something I've been trying to do recently is I've been, like, mentoring a lot of high school kids and all that to try and get started. A site, if you would never used, like, you know, a terminal before or something like that, Linux Survival is great for that. And generally, if there's something you have an idea, like a project you want to do or something you can do, it's probably achievable. You can ask around. There's great YouTube channels. You know, there's certain Discord communities you can join.
2: Yeah, I want to say um, I, I share our link here. Uh, our Discord is lead.club. So you are all free to join um, and and ask questions. We do have, it seems intimidating because there's a lot of uh, of big uh, discords that have a lot of channels like ours does. Uh, in our resource section, we have a tech support and a coding questions um, uh, channels. Those, if you ask questions in there, we promise that nobody is allowed to uh, troll at all or be like trying to be meme If you ask a question in a general channel, uh, you might get trolled just because people are, you know, snarky sometimes, but we definitely like to have a place where we can not just meme each other and say, install Gentoo, so yeah. Um, there's also like tools for the
4: job as well. So what you're like, it's good to, to, uh, when I say tools for the job, I'm not talking about actual tools. I'm talking about languages or operating systems or whatever, like, you know, running Kali Linux, as we mentioned earlier on your desktop, not a great idea running Kali Linux, because you don't know how to create that Linux environment to use for your uh, task. Good idea. You know, there's, there's um, a lot of different things that you sort of need to, you might read somebody tells you something is awesome, but then look for another source and kind of see, wait, uh, five people say that this way is good. And, you know, 10 people say that that way is bad because of reasons. And then they give alternatives. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that you like, don't take the first thing you read as, as sort of, you know, the gospel or whatever, or the Quran or you know, whoever you love to follow.
0: Um. On that note, there's a lot of really old, tech reference material and books and stuff that's very very knowledge or good for like the knowledge building um but in like practical terms it's probably not the best to be like following shit out of them uh like for example i was in my school one day a few years ago and i was just walking down the hall and there's this whole row of books that were on a table and i they were free so i just snatched all the computer books and one of them was a computer security basics book by O'Reilly from like nineteen ninety. But what like it's pretty interesting to read some of that stuff. And like some of like the general advice they give there is valid, but like keep in mind like things that they're telling you to do in the nineties probably aren't good practice anymore. Uh so you probably shouldn't be doing it. Uh like straight copy pasta from the book.
4: Yeah, I guess like one really good piece of advice that I got a long time ago. Um from like, it was funny, I I got in trouble at school um, for computers, like everybody else or like a lot of other people. And um, the teacher was weren't able to help me very much with what the things I was interested in. But um, the guy who worked at my school for it, he he gave me a copy of BSD and he just said, uh, install this without a desktop and just do everything that you can do on your desktop um, minus, you know, installing the, the GUI without X, right? Um, and I just learned a shit ton about like Nix based systems and getting stuff done, uh, by reading man pages, just the straight, you know, man LS or whatever. Um, and like when you're making the switch to Carlo, like it comes all set up pre everything you sort of need, but you don't really understand how it works. So if that's what you want to run, you know, it's very, very useful looking at, you know, um, how the internals work. And then when you get to the point where you're, looking at living off the land so using using uh only the things available to you on a system you'll actually find that hey all of these tools are great but i can do stuff without them um but you know it'll it'll take a little while to put that whole loop together um and by a little while probably like you know quite a few years of getting real knee deep in in uh stuff
0: uh in addition, talking about books, um, books can be expensive. They might not be the best way to learn stuff, but there are certain countries where you can get books that would be like, for example, $80 in the United States for $5, and it would be printed in English. And it's like the exact same quality. Um, so I'm not going to give out my sources, but there are places where you can get good books for pretty cheap.
2: Yeah, that's
7: On a similar thought, I was actually really excited about this. I went to my local library and there were actually a bunch of no-starch books there. Oh, that's thick. Yeah, so it's becoming, you know, slightly more public. So if anyone's here, you know, looking to get started and don't want to jump the gun and, like, buy a hardcover book, maybe check out your local library. They definitely have a computer section. And among the, like, 2008 Microsoft Excel books, you might find a couple cool security books.
6: Yeah. Also... Also try a university library. I mean, you probably won't be able to borrow um, books. Uh, This question was saying that they did comp sci. But um, university libraries are awesome. Like the computer books are like rows and rows and rows.
2: Yeah. Oh, I always get so stoked when I go into like a proper uh, bookstore for a university that has some really awesome Mm -hmm. books that I've never seen. Like, oh, what is this compiler optimization book? Like, I've never heard of it. It looks like... like, (laughs) Something you'd never find anywhere else or even be made aware of its existence in a normal circumstance. I love right. that. And also def- definitely like like check out random places that you think people might be doing computer stuff and just talk to people, mm-hmm. ask for recommendations. And um yeah, I just like you're saying also who to follow. Um there's a lot of awesome people on Twitter to follow. I would say go to people that you know are pretty popular, um, and see who they follow. Kind of scroll through their list, um and and you know, make your selection. Um, definitely take a look at who Thug Crowd is following. Um, we follow a lot of our guests and people that are related to them. So we get a lot of awesome news um, right when it happens. So it's pretty sweet. Um, the, I the, next, or what? So
4: I'm just gonna, just at the end of that question, um, If when you do join any of these communities and stuff like that, a really good thing to do is uh, be quiet and read before you start uh, telling people what a great oh, yeah. you are. Um, Absolutely.
5: <laughs> Absolutely.
4: More people um, are yeah. likely to help you if you uh, ask, ask a question correctly. Um, and like, you know, ask the question with the full details that you want to know the answer of, and, and somebody can help you rather than come in and tell everyone what great hacker you are and then be like, oh, I can't get Kali to do insert mundane time.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Um, um last thing before question we.
3: Question.
2: here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. No problem.
5: Oh, I was just going to say that if you're a university, um, CCDC is a very, very good resource to getting into cybersecurity. Whether it's red team or blue team, you get to know the fundamentals behind both um, and how actual like, engagements and uh, like uh, adversary simulations go. It's a very, very good resource.
0: Uh, I was just going to add a final note. Um, if you go to a library and they don't have any good computer books, you can actually ask them to order them. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I asked my library to order like twenty six hundred, and they bought the whole catalog for like three hundred bucks.
5: Holy (laughs) shit! Nice,
3: nice. yeah.
2: Um, I'm posting the next question in our chat. Um, this is from Down to Earth Guy. It's similar to the last question, but it kind of asks us a bit more about what we've done. So it says, uh, "I'm down to, I'm uh, I am new to Infosec, and I was wondering how you got into what you do today. What were your first exercises in security?" Um, so this is something that uh gotta remember uh, don't say anything. <laughs> it might be let me get you in trouble um, but yeah, i I, you know, I I could start i I used to play around with computers a lot when I was younger. My first uh, taste of the dark side was when i um I figured out how to change my house um on this Harry Potter game when I was uh like <laughs> nine, and yeah, I got into Gryffindor, even though I got
5: Hufflepuff,
2: so. XSS, baby. XSS, baby.
5: Let's go. Yeah,
2: I think,
4: uh, I mean, I, I was sort of always wanted, like I was into video games and, and gaming and stuff, and game modding sort of led a little bit more into it than running like game servers. And then, um, you know, the, the IRC bots that interacted with the game servers that were just like running Merc and Merc script that I cobbled together um, got owned i was like holy crap what is this um and then yeah i became a developer for a long time because there was no infosec community um and then yeah moved into security like well doing security like being a secure developer and keeping up to you know everything i can and then sort of um transitioned into more uh, what we know now as as security
5: i'm actually very similar like my first introduction was. Uh... I had gotten hacked on a website I was making when I was, like, maybe 11, 12. I don't know how old I was. Um, and I was like, what the hell just happened? Why am I to face all of a sudden? And I just kind of went down the rabbit hole of researching and figuring out what Backtrack was and just learning the tools on there and uh, just really throwing yourself into it.
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people got into this kind of thing because they either experienced something that like, probably scary at the time and just mm-hmm. decided to go deeper. Or they're just, uh, a lot of people also did stuff like, uh, I guess, wanting to cheat in games. That was a huge thing, actually, Shell had, had discussed before as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, when, when I was like little, uh, and like using Game Shark and figuring out how Game Shark worked, and um, stuff like that, like those kind of things are what inspired a lot of people. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like for people who want to get into to, like security and, and Computer stuff in general um reverse engineering like a lot of that just really requires that you you just let your mind be as curious as you would be as when you were a kid i think that's like what it needs honestly honestly ask ask the questions about stuff that you might already assume to be infallible like oh you you know you type into a you know chat window and then message happens like how does that happen? How does it work? I and mean, you know, go deeper and deeper, ask the dumbest possible questions. And then, you know, you eventually um, are able to, to really, like, guess, let yourself go and and think about all the, the different possibilities and, and how things could be different. And um, yeah, I, I feel like that's something that doesn't really get taught as much. A lot of, a lot of like the coding, coding schools and things are, are all more about like problem solving. But I think that beyond problem solving is just more of like being able to foster like your sort of like inner child, like innate curiosity.
4: I think there's a a huge thing that is lacking in many, many of the the courses that I've seen uh, run like through universities, cyber degrees, infosec students that are, you know, they want to become, they want to get into the industry or whatever. But the one thing that I find lacking is, is I guess what we'd know as the hacker mindset, which is something you can't really teach. Um, and one of the places that you get it is from being on like a shady IRC channel where you're scared of everyone (laughs) and everyone could like destroy you at any moment. They could, you know, not I'm not talking about docs, I'm talking about like wrecking your machine, cutting off your utilities, like things that could, you know, that it would you don't want to happen, right? Um, and it's kind of like you get that's scary and uh, you should know about it. And I'm not saying you should do any of it, but you should at least know. that works why why people do that um because if you're going to be a defender that's what you're going to be defending against and if you're going to be like on offense then that's what you're going to be emulating is really emulating people who don't care about you or your life on the internet they don't care (laughs) about a lot of things and they're often like monetarily driven like take all these things that you'll see and be like you know keep that in your head that like why would somebody take over this server that does nothing because now they've got a server to use for something else, something mm. more malicious, you know, they want to add your crappy WordPress uh, five remote code execution that came out today to their botnet before it gets patched. Like yeah. that's, that's what they want. And th- there's only one way to learn it. And it's not at school, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Cause like, that's the other thing too, is a lot of stuff, like, especially for uh, like exercises and things like CTFs, they teach like, you know the one way to get into something, but there's so many, there's infinite ways to do everything, and the infinite ways to be a, just a straight scoundrel, whether or not it's something right. that's technically impressive or the dumbest thing would involve just sending somebody a phishing link and they click it, and then boom, you're domain admin. And like there's tons of tons of ways, and you have to think about like, uh, it, it's hard to be both like curious as well as just like straight evil, but you got to think like if I'm going to try to rob somebody. If I had, if this being able to compromise this account was between me and eating, you know, if that that was your actual scenario, which is a scenario for a lot of people who you know scam and do malware, um, you know, think about it like that. That's the other thing too. If you can ever do thought experiments with yourself about, um, you know, how would you do something if you, if you you know, if uh, eating or sending your kids to school or getting your kids medicine. Uh, was on
4: the line. I imagine, like, I, I think a really good example that we don't really see anymore is, um, like, IRC takeovers, right? It's, it's really, so for anyone that's not on IRC, there's a thing called ops, and the person with ops has the ability to kick and ban people from the channel, so on and so forth, uh, from from a text channel, and there was some really pretty simple ways to, um, to take over the channel, but it was, the things that were around on IRC were more, like, People trying to get clout, like grab a badge of honor by taking over this big channel with all these people, and ultimately it's like a a futile goal, right? Like they might take over the channel, they might take over the server, whatever, blah blah blah. It'll get restored. They just did some crime for like absolutely no reason, other than to try and look cool, Um, you know. And and back in the nineties and stuff, like people used to log on to IRC because it showed the host uh, that you logged on from. They would log on from like. NASA.gov or something like that. So on, <laughs> yeah. you know? And that that was like the um, you know, hey, i am obviously in this place because I'm logging in from X, Y, and Z and like all the places. And I definitely wouldn't tell anyone to do that. Um, the 90s were a very different time, people got their doors kicked in, uh, a lot of people didn't do too well out of it, but it, it that was a lot of the thing that happened. And just doesn't happen anymore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think, though, like, so coming back to the original question, like, what were your first exercises? I feel like first exercises were more just, like, self-preservation. And I feel like being <laughs> able to sort of put yourself out there and understand what is actually, what actually can happen to you is definitely a huge thing. And also definitely being curious and letting yourself be curious and not being afraid to do, you know, uh Python for tutorial for kids if you have to if it helps you understand. Because no matter what it is, as long as it helps you to understand something and help you to you know remain curious, um definitely take advantage of it no matter how silly it might seem. Yeah um, there's a lot of resources that are like
4: as well that are like that. You you read it and you'll be like whoever wrote this, this is not a good article. This is not good information. But later you'll think back on that and be able to apply it somewhere else. Like you'd be like, oh Maybe that wasn't a great idea for what they did, but either I can apply it here or I should never apply that here, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, the next question we have is, is similar to this. Um, I guess we're kind of, like, you know, going with the career advice now. Um this is from no self. It's so I have a question that's almost the opposite of the last question, which I think was Roper's question at the time, um, in regards to getting into pen testing as a professional. I got into hacking five years ago, skid shit, but kept learning stuff and reading books, building labs, doing Vulnhub, hack the box, et cetera, and got a few small certs and I'm working on a couple of pen test certs, now E-C-P-P-T, but every job I look at here needs a degree in comp sci or something and a couple of years experience. Is that an issue everywhere or maybe locally here and where is a good place to get an
0: um one thing that i'll say to that is usually the person who's interviewing you in infosec jobs recognizes that you don't need a degree uh Mm -hmm. the technical person that is but the hr people that will scan you first they have a list of buzzwords that they need to match and if you don't match the enough words then they don't want to talk to you uh, so, one thing I did to get around yeah. right that as somebody who did not go to university, well, didn't complete university, is I have a one liner white font in my resume <laughs> that matches for a whole bunch of buzzwords, then ones that are completely irrelevant to InfoSec. And that nice. me to the top of most HR filters.
3: <laughs>
0: That's yes. beautiful.
3: But
1: also and yeah, I've like worked the, at like
0: Fortune 5 companies, so it definitely works.
1: Like the the whole need a degree certification things is really just to wean out like a whole bunch of people applying for that position. Like the position I just got hired for, it straight up said you need a bachelor's of science degree. I don't have that at all. I have no certifications. And like what they were saying about like uh it's a difference if you're interviewing with the manager or HR, HR has no idea what the fuck you're talking about. They know shit what that means so if you have like an interview with the with an actual manager that understands what you're talking about and you can actually prove you know what you're talking about you're more than likely going to land it
5: yeah it's, it's called the hr firewall for a reason like it's the first hurdle you got to fucking get over to do anything in infosec
4: yeah so one of the techniques that i use um i'm gonna like give up my whole fucking game um <laughs> is uh i try and do a couple like at least one talk a year at um at an event it's usually like a like maybe a monthly event or um i've spoken at like a little bit larger conferences as well and in that talk uh i aim for a couple of things like i I obviously want technical content to show that i know what i'm on about um i want something new that i'm not just doing an intro that people have seen before or whatever i'm like I try and show something that I've, like a project that I've been working on that I came up with, um, you know, to the best I can. Not always been the case, but to the best I can. Um, And then I try and like, a lot of people think that you have to do like a backflip on stage, you know what I mean? Like you got to do the biggest, baddest jackpot and ATM, Barnaby Jack style, like uh, RIP. (laughs) But, um, you know, I try and do just a kickflip, like do a kickflip. And then give them something to take away with them. So try and give uh, the the audience um, a takeaway. And then that sort of builds this thing. And then the slide deck goes on my LinkedIn. Um, and then it's linked in my CV. And then it goes along with the rest of my experience as well to show that uh, I don't just go to work every day to do computer. Um, I actually like computer. And this is this is what I do with them. And then that, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, I have to, exp- if somebody asked me, like, I had a recent interview where I was asked, what what projects do I, have I worked on? And I was just like, damn, like, which one? Uh, let me think of the most relevant to, like, what I'm applying for right now. And and if anybody looks at that, uh, like, those slideshows or recorded talks or whatever like that, then, then they can see that I'm not bullshit. And I don't have any degrees. I don't have any certificates, none of that stuff. Um, and, yeah, they get, that's just uh, a replacement for having those certificates, I guess. That's yeah. how I see it.
5: I mean, anybody you talk to in cybersecurity will always tell you that, hey, networking is absolutely huge. Like, honestly, it's a really small community, cybersecurity. Like, all these conferences, you're going to see the same people over and over again. And just start going out to various meetups, and you can network like crazy. And those guys be like, hey, I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that can help you get a job past the HR firewall stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I totally I got
3: agree, yeah. Twitter's great for finding work too.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, like being like able to network and also like like share. I think like sharing projects that you've done is is huge. Like if you could speak on it, like I I'm able to just by research alone get a job. Um, from a completely different field, too, is my background. So like, just being being present and, and actively looking and learning and writing is key, too. Um, you can write anything or have a little blog, even if it's just a couple of posts. As long as it's um, some content that shows what you know what you're talking about, I think that's definitely a, uh, a big way to get in and get that trust going. Because anybody can get a cert, realistically. You can cheat their cert mills. Um, you can make up your own cert but with with that though like to be able to actually seem valuable and be you know get get the job that that will actually um bolster your skills and 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 let you grow uh putting stuff out a good way. To do. even and just the- writing like a
3: new
2: day script it's like one day uh, exploit scripts and putting them on GitHub and getting mad stars is a good
5: Oh yeah, for sure. That's yeah,
4: huge. GitHub for sure. Like having having stuff there that shows that you can uh, write neat code. If, you, like, if you're going to, even if you're not becoming a developer, you still want to be able to write neat readable code um, to a point. Like you don't need to be the best programmer, but showing that you have the skill or you have a skill that's transferable or you have a skill that, um, you know, you, you have... Dabbled with, but you're not a pro at, but you've shown that you can learn things very quickly is also a huge plus because, um, you know, learning on your feet, learning on the fly like, you'll find a lot of jobs. Like, um, I guess, uh, well, we, we haven't aired that yet. We were speaking to a guest recently who said that their whole job is, um, uh, uh, you know, figuring stuff out pretty quickly. I won't, I don't want to get too much into it, but, um, being, yeah, be, and that's like, like, majority of their job see this new thing, figure it out. And I think that's really important um, to be able to think on your feet and come up with new ideas and scenarios.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I like about cybersecurity is that you're always learning. Um, and I mean, if you're not always learning, then you're not gonna do very well in the field. And it's just like, you learn new stuff every time you do something new, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like, that's why I like engage like contracting versus uh, red teaming
3: and penetration testing, you learn new stuff every time you do a new engagement. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) We
2: got asked by, who is this? (laughs) Just across, no, Isaac in the chat. What do you think about WebAssembly? Now, I haven't really played WebAssembly that much, but does anybody else have any uh, thoughts on it?
6: Yeah, um, I, I think it's awesome. I know you probably don't think it is, but um, a lot of people in the Rust community are, are gunning for it and to the, to the point where it will kill JavaScript or at least, you know, match it one for one in, in terms of use.
4: Um, yeah, those are my I think, I definitely think Web, WebAssembly is quite interesting and, but I also look at it as another form of abstraction. Um, we we funny enough we spoke about this on the weekend but um yeah like if you like when you write javascript you're writing specific javascript when you start using um you know a a framework that needs like there's like a compile time to build your javascript ui like you know react or something like that um you know there's this level of abstraction where the developer doesn't know the exact code and i guess i can see that uh there's potential for introducing new and interesting bugs along the way uh along this this compilation process just through the fact that it's abstracted so far. Um, however, it's I guess it's a it's a cool thing and it's a it's a new thing we're going to see for a while to come. It's it's not going anywhere.
2: Sweet. Um, so ex Apollo, I will answer your question in a second. So I'm trying to grab a bunch of links right now. <laughs> I'm doing the same so, thing. <laughs> the next one that we can a- answer though real quick is from Danny B underscore VG. So finishing up my two-year degree, I have two more years, and I'll uh, probably have to specialize and focus on a certain field of study. Any recommendations for something that's going to last? Now that's uh, that's a hard one for for lasting because it's it's a lot of things are going to teach you whatever they deem is relevant for the curriculum i know that hermit in the middle of her degree they switched from teaching java as their core computer science curriculum to c plus plus and that was a huge jarring thing of then having to go to the more advanced classes and they're all c plus plus rather than java um which is something huge to a, a hurdle to have to overcome um props to her for also learning c plus plus very quickly but for um for those kind of things though like uh like things that are going to last what do you guys think as far like w- what non-hype things do you think would probably be the best thing to focus on as far as study goes
4: Java. Oh, no I, th- I think the basics are never going anywhere like we've seen exercise is uh sorry as a term is like what 25 years old or something 20 years oh old? yeah um, SQL injection again, like all that web stuff is old. Buffer overflows are from like, the late seventies or something. You know, we're talking like these things aren't going anywhere. It's just mm-hmm. what uh capacity they capacity they used in. So we might see like a lot of a lot more um, memory corruption protections on on desktop environments, but then now IoT is a massive thing and everything that's old is new again. Uh, so I, I feel like certain uh, um, bug classes and things will dip for a little while and then time comes around and all of a sudden everyone who knows, like maybe not, you know, COBOL and Fortran um, type stuff, but, you know, the the basics of, of uh, a lot of the bug classes are here to stay. Um, yeah, so that's, there's always going to be the the, the staples. Um, and I guess that's really, if you can apply those staples, that's really what you want to know anyway. I Hopefully that helps.
3: Yeah, yeah I'd say cool. with anything
2: that that is that has to do with the sort of concepts of computer science is is huge. But another thing, definitely, I would look into is if you can never have an opportunity to um, do anything with with like cloud stuff. If you're interested in machine learning, that's a a cool route to go down as well. Um, but anything that will give you fundamentals um that will last are definitely good because a lot of people just don't get exposed to certain things and it's it's sad because people don't you know you you'll learn a bunch about computer science you might learn how to like i don't even know what they teach in computer science curriculum to be honest with you but you might learn certain things that are are, i guess aren't teaching you um like system administration skills it's the same sort of almost like life skills that you would you would wish you learned in, in high school are the same sort of things that you you know it would be great to learn in college so anything that can expose you to sort of anything to do with administering deploying, um safety security those kind of things are all really valuable courses yeah. to try to go for
4: i think the the basics i guess we can sort of break it right down to sort of like system administration networking and programming um it doesn't matter what language you really learn um because once you learn you know five languages you'll realize how the same like how similar every language is and that you can adapt those skills yeah and you don't need to know every language in depth because you sit there with a manual open and you're like oh what's the function for i don't know like rounding integers and then you're like oh yeah round like you know or you know, javascript math.round like just, it doesn't really matter it's the same thing you know that there's a function that does it you know that it's in a library somewhere just got to go find it Mm -hmm. um and yeah like the i guess also like the ideas behind uh things like privacy and security like defense in depth defense in layers um like you know these types of ideas are exactly the same as when they were published pretty much like you know for the most part so you can take like there's so many like ideas that don't apply to a specific technology Um, Like system administration applies to everything you're going to do in DevOps, for example, you know.
3: Absolutely.
2: Um, I'm trying to grab a bunch of these uh, links here. I think what we should do is make a playlist that we of all the videos that we really like because I have a lot of playlists on YouTube and it's hard to go through and pick really good. Um, yeah, I'm on
0: my are. phone, so I can't really shout out. Um, but one thing I would shout out is uh, Barnaby Jack's talk from a while back about uh, ATM hacking. That's yeah, that was really now. To me. Uh, and there was another one that I can't remember the title or even where it's from. I just remember it was with uh, Hacks for Pancakes and Johnny Christmas. Uh, that was one of the first talks I've ever seen. And uh, it really, like, it's just been in my head, like, for the last, like, eight years or however long it's been
4: yeah I, there's another thing as well is that a lot of really good talks i've seen have not been recorded there was like a a non like no user interaction ios like airdrop um a bug where, you, where like, a bug chain sorry where the exploit basically uh was able to airdrop a new app onto the phone replace the phone app the springboard restarts and then the phone app is now malicious app um and the slides are out there for that but the talk is not recorded so there's like uh, a lot of good talks out there that you can, you can see a lot, but maybe, yeah, attending certain conferences, I'm not going to say every conference, but attending certain conferences where you see a really good speaker lineup. Like once you start to recognize good speakers, um, you know, maybe do a little bit of Google on them and don't, and like ignore Pwnhead. And um, then, yeah, like if you see a, gr- a good speaker at a conference, then be like, oh, I really want to see that person speak because that talk might never come out in any other way um
0: shout out to iron geek for recording a fuck ton of the talks uh if you go on his website (laughs) yeah yeah it's like this guy goes to like every fucking conference and just records them all
5: yeah it is actually insane like i've always wondered like what the fuck do you do with your time other than
3: that yeah (laughs) i
0: was trying to help him do the av at a con once but i ended up getting a double task like this guy's got like tens of thousands of dollars of equipment like He's got, like, everything
3: he
2: fucks about. That's sick. So yeah, we definitely cool have a, a playlist of, of of stuff, too, that we of talks you we recommend. Um, we'll tweet that out when we get it together. I definitely, my favorite, one of my favorite speakers for DEF CON Black Hat is Chris Domus, uh, the one who basically just, like, has been screwing x86 processors for a while now. He's done the Breaking the x86 instruction set to fuzz it. He also did the God Mode Unlocked the uh, hardware backdoor on the x86 cpus as well as the memory sinkhole and bunches of others of awesome talks okay. i also love my, any talk well? by jason scott
3: hmm?
2: he did ime as well or is it someone else uh, i forget if he did that one yeah. um but yeah any any talk by him any talk by jason scott i love very much and then my favorite defcon talk i think of all time was uh the uh my life is a spyware developer. As far as it, <laughs> a funny talk. Um, I'll, I'll find that one real quick.
0: Oh, and uh, shout out to Sammy Camcar. Uh, his YouTube yeah. is fucking off.
5: Awesome. Yeah, super charismatic guy. Really cool.
2: Um, here I'm gonna post that spyware one here. Yeah, this talk just because it's
3: of how straightforward.
2: Absolutely perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's tons of awesome talks, though. I mean, I would, I honestly, I subscribe to the DEF CON channel and the Black Hat channel um, and a couple other different ones that that give out talks. Um, definitely just look through them. There's an unlimited amount of talks. Um, I used to just watch them all the time in the background and just have them on. So um, there's so many good ones. Yeah. Did you guys
3: one, hear? Uh... Oh, go ahead,
4: Sorry. I was going to say um, there's a, there's a, I think her name was Natasha and she, uh, she hacks, uh, Tamagotchis, right? Um, yeah. And her, a lot of her work is based on this guy, uh, Mr. Blinky, which she shouts out, like it's the, you know, there's a a Tamagotchi hacking community actually. And you might think like, why the hell would I want to hack my Tamagotchi? But the technology is used behind it and the things that they do with them um is very like some of them these tamagotchis like they have nfc they have uh infrared they have you know the, the specific type of chip that runs in them and while you might never encounter that specific chip the way that they go about uh the tasks that they they achieve is more important than the end goal so like again you might think like who cares about tamagotchis you watch the talk and then you'll come across some other random thing you be like oh i know how to approach this problem
2: yeah, absolutely. Those those talks, especially the hardware reverse engineering talks, um, amazing stuff. The Tamagotchi things especially are incredible. The and there's another one too, um, that I found on my playlist called Implementing the Tamagotchi Singularity. Um, and that's uh, yeah. <laughs> that one's amazing. They literally like virtualized a bunch of uh, Tamagotchis like from their firmware that they dumped and they ended up like networking them all together so that they could have like a community and like just the like sentient Tamagotchi, like just ecosystem, like incredible yeah. stuff. Like those kind of things, those same concepts apply to so many different other things, like whether it's virtualization, emulation, to just straight up like um, uh, the woman who does uh, Tamagotchi, I forget her name now too, um, like wrote shellcode for tamagotchi by button presses like stuff like that right Just, like in- <laughs> like, you know, like that's insane. like fucking out of control like like on a on a custom asic based on a 6502 that's insanity so yeah props to all those people definitely absorb that definitely watch weird stuff too because there's uh, there was a bunch of talks that i was like i don't know what this is but then i end up watching it after like not watching it you know for however long and I suddenly watched it, I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking so cool. Like, the one about the uh, the no- exploring the noise floor was another really good one. Um, I forget her name who did that, too. I'll find that as well. But she was able to find that you could, like, um, she was able to, to like, from a, a really crappy, like, Chinese bootleg laptop, was able to uh, see that there was, like, no EMF protection on it, and you could like, read the screen from Radio Waves using, like, a, a RTL-SDR, oh, yeah. like, like stuff like that, like you're like, what like, like how did you find this out, or the people who did the satcom reverse engineering with the uh iridium satellite and were able to like like reverse engineer their protocol and like decode like sects that were like sent between like battleships? Good shit,
4: yeah, I think um the the c r t or well, the the monitor decoding um with emissions like using a radio is like like that dates back a long way, I think maybe to the late 80s or early 90s. I can't, I honestly couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Um, But an interesting thing as well, like say you wanted to learn about blockchain and blockchain security, like, yeah, buzzword, whatever. But an interesting thing to look at is like, what is it, ERC721, which is CryptoKitties. Like you might not give a shit about CryptoKitties and you might think it's the dumbest idea in the world. But what was interesting about it was the application was not, uh the same as as everything else so you can go read about it look at it and then be and again that will give you when you're doing if you if you come across um some sort of ethereum like solidarity contact um contract auditing or something like that you would be like oh i know about this you know um and, and that, that definitely helps
3: hell yeah solidity
4: did i say solidarity solidity contracts my bad <laughs>
2: Uh the next question that we have here is um, thoughts on Ghidra. Um, so actually, we asked this to Haxor Pancakes, which we should say that um, Haxor Pancakes, we have a recording of her that we will be um, putting out soon as a regular episode, um, so we'll be able to listen in on it. And maybe she might be able to even chat with us as well um, in the stream chat, but the... Gidra stuff, she said, it's if it's public now from the NSA, it's already been well used. So, oh, yeah. um, it's probably if it's something that the NSA developed, it's probably pretty good. I mean, they have developed a lot of awesome stuff in the past, although it was not in our reach. So, I'm interested to see. I don't know, is it, it hasn't been released yet, has it? No,
5: come March, I believe, at RSA,
2: saving it for like RSA or Black Hat or something. Yeah, oh, cool, cool. Um yeah, I definitely want to check it out because I mean, they, they probably have a lot of stuff that's like custom built that, that supports unlimited architectures. And, yeah, uh, something the Yeah, I think... But, thing, uh, hmm?
4: I was going to say one thing to remember is a lot of these things that you see about in the in the news and stuff, before they're even used, you've got guys that are super smart that are getting paid to not talk about it and work on it for a long time. Um, and their goals, and they might not even know the goal of their software because, you know, upset compartmentalization, all the things um, that that happen that are they're not really industry things either. So, like you know, those departments and industry are very are quite separate, but they do cross over, I guess, because we're all on the internet. Um, and again, like once the industry sees something from that, they don't always the industry's perspective, or even even the hacker community's perspective. Is not always the same um, as where these things come from, so it, it's very easy to bandwagon as well when you hear about something like that. But keep an open mind and try. Like knowing your adversaries is something that uh, that we talk about a little bit that we spoke about a little bit earlier. And again, their adversaries are not our adversaries, and they're not the adversaries of of their adversaries. If I, if you if you get me, um, it's a different world. So yeah.
3: Absolutely. I think what's just so
5: strange about this is that they're releasing it. Like it's it's the NSA. Like, what are they doing? They're not supposed to do this,
4: right? But if they are, why? And I mean, we might not know. So
5: yeah, like I'm thinking maybe there's a leak or something, but I'm not. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's the it, NSA.
4: And anything we could say, anything we could would think might—it's all speculation because none of us know.
5: Exactly. Yeah. But, regardless, it is going to be really interesting to see what comes out of it, because if it is, like,
3: game-changing, that will be great for engineering.
2: Hell yeah! I got Paging Broke Chic, if you're still there. What's up? Where you at? We have five minutes left.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, what I going to say? Yeah, we got time for like one or one more question or so if anybody has anything. Um, but it's been cool though. I'm glad that we were able to just kind of chill for today because a lot of our people are involved in a bunch of different things and it's a lot to keep up with the podcast. And we've been doing this for a while now. It's almost it's almost a year since our first podcast. Next week will have been the year since we started the very first iteration of this before Thug Crowd. Um pretty cool. I'm glad everybody's here to chat and chill. Yeah, I
4: mean, it's uh, I, I never really expected this. Like, I was talking to Craze, um, I don't know, before and <laughs> recently, and he was basically saying, like, because you know, he's had his own things to go off and do, and he's just like, Whoa, like, when I came back on, you guys weren't just you know, talking crap, you're like making a thing. You're like, Are we? I guess
2: it's a thing, I guess. So. The crowd became a thing. <laughs> to become a thing pretty cool um definitely super happy that all these people here are also supporting us which let me grab we had a bunch of new patrons i forgot to grab the entire list but we have quite a few um, <laughs> we have 27 patrons this is amazing actually um, this is pretty sweet yeah so anybody who does want to get that clssp um you totally can if you go to patreon.com forward slash thugcrowd that is where you can give us $10 for one month and get a CLSSP cert. Um, what is, why is my internet just not working now? This is cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, that oh, Drupal hey. bug.
4: Yeah, nice. New Drupal bug. Thank you. Um, can you
3: please send
0: my CLSSP to one hacker way, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, Palo
3: Alto,
4: <laughs> <California>. <laughs> I'll
2: send one. I'll send one to Zuck.
4: Send one to uh, you know one infinity loop. I'm like just make <laughs> make sure
2: everybody who doesn't need one gets one. <laughs> um. Oh, so do you write the name on CLSSP? So if you are on Patreon, you send us uh, your address and your um, your handle that you want on it. That's how we customize it. So we're able to coordinate with everybody um, for what they want to be called
4: suppose you, you could get your real name on it if you want, but uh, if you want to be
0: secure, make sure to use rot26 encryption and uh, tweet it at thugcrap.
3: Rot26. What Is this? Uh, hold on one second. Jesus, there's so many.
2: Things <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, our patrons. We'll shout them out real quick. Uh, we got Wood's been on here. Thanks, uh, DVD Freytag. uh, six eight eight. On, what is his name on here? Because <laughs> <laughs> it has six eight eight as or tax sub, um, Dusty Fresh, uh, Delash, uh, Gabe, Hamburger Keyboard. Thanks, dude. Uh, Ire James. Um Matt. Yes, Mayor. Um, no Cookies. Thanks so much, dude. Uh, Rain. Um, Rob Poners, Rufflewitz, <laughs> uh, uh, Sterling Archer, Talon, Walski, Who, ZLZ, and we had a couple of other ones, but they haven't come through all the way through yet. So thanks to everybody though who is a new patron. At the end of the month, um, we will get everything squared away so we can mail them out to the new people. So Thanks, y'all. And Dash, I will send you, um, I'll, I'll talk to you after.
4: Yeah, thanks to all our uh, Twitter followers, uh, subscribers, followers, all that. People shouting bits, parody with the bits. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's awesome. I figured out how to finally
2: take money out of, uh, out of this as well, so I was able to put it towards our server costs. I didn't know. I'm still, I feel like an old man on the internet here. <laughs> what you, not what old man, just a te- just a, just a technically illiterate person. I'm, I'm not going to be ableist or ageist here, but the I, I definitely feel like I'm like when I'm trying to search to always like like Twitch. I'm like I have no clue. <laughs> 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 figure out. I'm like because the thing is, I I'm just like, am I going to do the wrong thing and just suddenly like I don't know, start streaming my address or something? Yeah,
5: <laughs> that's <laughs> what I was worried about too.
2: Which, um, sorry for everybody too yesterday for the false alarm when we went live. I was testing out a new service and suddenly it just went live for 10 minutes while I was like struggling with my internet to like edit the, uh, edit stuff. So it was just me painfully slowly resizing icons for 10 minutes. So, <laughs> <Just for laughs> good bad. stuff. Um, oh, yeah. So, um. Yeah, I guess that's that's just about does it. Um, Does anybody have any last words? Uh, Since not Dan's
0: not here, I'll say shut the fuck up and get a lawyer for him.
2: Hell yeah, Uh, yeah. Beautiful stuff. Um, All right, right, yeah. Um, I guess we'll just go now. So we'll see you next week. Um, we'll be updating our full schedule soon too. Mm -hmm. So, um, just keep a lookout for that. Keep a lookout for our playlist. Um, thanks, to everybody, for hanging out and asking questions, and we love you.
3: See you. Thanks. Bye. Back to planet. Thanks to the planet.